is no other name but Jesus. Amen. Let's continue to worship him. Amen.
continue in this attitude of worship. God, we continue in this attitude of victory today. Lord, as we pray for those in Ukraine right now, God, I pray that you would do miraculous, powerful, mighty things. Lord, I pray you would use believers there, our prayers, their prayers, to be able to accomplish incredible things, things in the Spirit, Lord. I pray your blessing over that nation. I pray your blessing over, God, every uh, every believer, every unbeliever. God, I pray you do a miracle in, in multiple ways in that part of this world. Lord, you love people. You came, you lived, you died for them. And Lord, you rose again. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of those who believe. So we pray with power and authority today in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for anyone in this room, Lord, who might be facing something overwhelming today. Holy Spirit, would you do an incredible work in their heart and life. God, their situation may not change right this second, but Lord, transform them from the inside out. And Lord, let them watch you work. 
Lord, we thank you for these moments together in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Worship team, thanks for leading us in that song. What a great song. And uh, as you're seated, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering today. And uh, we just want to encourage you in your giving. Uh, it's one of the greatest acts of worship. I mean, uh, think, about, think about people that love you in your life. Uh, they can tell you they love you all they want, but when they display it and show it, what a difference it makes. And so when we give, giving just reflects a heart of love for God. So, uh, Lord, we, we uh, receive this offering today with grateful hearts, with obedient hearts, and with hearts that just are turned and devoted to you. Receive it as, as what it is, worship, uh, out of uh, love for you. I pray you bless it, multiply it, God, cause it to be able to meet every need here and abroad. In Jesus' name, amen.
Um, I know you can read your bulletin, but I want to share three important things. First, next Saturday is the ladies' breakfast, our monthly ladies' breakfast uh, at 9 o'clock. That's this coming Saturday. And then when you go to bed at night, you need to move your clocks ahead one hour. Okay. Now, in the fall, I don't care to make that announcement because it works where you'll be in church earlier. But if you don't move it ahead, you're going to be late. So I have to remind you that daylight saving time begins next weekend. So make sure to move your clocks ahead. And one very important announcement is after service today, uh, I'd like the men of this church and the young adults and the youth and the women and everyone who can help us clear the chairs, set up tables for tonight's banquet. So uh, if you are able... Uh, hang around. You know, many hands makes light work, and it definitely happens quickly. And then we have some people who will help set up and decorate for tonight for our missions convention. This is one of the most important days of our year. I mean, Christmas is significant. Um, Easter, of course, Pentecost Sunday, but missions convention weekend is important. And, uh, and we've had a good year, and I'll give you a report on that in a moment. But I did ask Pastor Brandon to put together a choir for today, just, just a song that would just proclaim the glories of God. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this.
was great, wasn't it? Man, what a treat. Thank you, Pastor Brandon, and all those who helped him sound good. <laughs> well, listen, I want to give a report to you, um, and, and honestly, I want to commend you for your response last Sunday morning when we took an offering for Ukraine. Um, the money is there. It's being used along the border of Poland. It's being used in Romania. It's being used in Moldova. And, uh, you know, we've been blessed over the years. We've had the general superintendent, the bishop of Moldova here in our congregation, our church, ministering to us years ago. Some of you may remember him. And they have been busy providing for the refugees. And also uh, a pastor from Bacau, uh, Romania, Marian Paderets. He's been here a number of times over the years. And they took van loads of things to the Ukrainian border. And, uh, I mean, just so much going on. The church is rising up. And I'm excited about that because I believe it's going to spread throughout the world. I believe it is. I believe, and it's, I mean, it's happening. We're coming together. There's a, I think there's a fresh new unity that's coming out of this, this horrific event. 
And, uh, and I, again, I want to pray for the conflict in a moment, but I want to first commend you because with your giving, we gave, we were able to send $10,000 this week to help meet that need. $10,000. You folks gave almost all of that. We rounded it up. Yeah, I, need to, I need to applaud you. And of course, as, it, as it's ongoing, you can continue to give online using one of the uh, envelopes if you want and any offering. Just write Ukraine on there so we'll separate it out. We will continue to funnel that. We sent half to Convoy of Hope and the other half to Assemblies of God World Missions in conjunction with Convoy of Hope um, because, again, they're in different locations. And so to God be the glory. Thank you again for your generosity, your compassion, your caring for a very real need. Sorry, guys, just really, you know, everybody a week ago, 11 days ago in Ukraine was living a normal life. And I just can't imagine something like that happening here. I thank God for the United States of America. I thank you for, for what we have. I thank you that we have two great oceans on both sides. <laughs> that keeps a lot of enemies away. But in today's modern age, that doesn't mean as much as it did. Life could change here overnight. Just takes one nuclear missile. We pray that not happen. But we need to seriously pray, guys, for brothers and sisters in Ukraine, those who are yet to be saved, and you know they'll be saved because convoys there, Assembly of God World missions are there. We have missionaries who are still in Ukraine. They have not left the country. American missionaries. Thank God for them. So please keep them in your prayers. The other thing I need to I need to we need to get happy, okay? <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to set the mood that way, but we have a big number I want to show you, and this is what we've done since 1985. We've given over $7.5 million to missions. You have. So how about we give ourselves a hand? You know, year after year, year after year, it accumulates. And it has an impact. So we are involved. And again, I commend you. There aren't a lot of churches that can brag of a number like that in just 36 years or so. Um, well, it'll be 37 this September. But uh, thank God, again, for your generosity and your giving and caring for missions. And then finally, I want to introduce our speaker. And I, he, I saw this picture on his phone. It's, it's his, you know, when he opens his phone, it's there. And I hope no one takes offense to it. But um, that's his dad. That's his dad who happened to wear zebra colors for some reason, which drew my attention to it. But uh, our guest today grew up in Tanzania. And then when he became an adult, became a missionary to Kenya. And today he is over all of Africa for the Assemblies of God as our regional leader, regional director. And so I want to introduce to you Reverend Greg Beggs. Would you welcome him? How's that? There you go. Yes. Just, just your presence up here. It is wonderful to be with you, and congratulations. Well, that's an amazing thing. Over $7.5 million this church has given because you love the lost, because you care what happens beyond your neighborhood. And I want to say thank you on behalf of Assemblies of God World Missions, on behalf of people that you may never see until you get to heaven, 
I want to say sincerely thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Pastor, thank you for leading so well. Leading in the direction of reaching the lost, of planting churches around the world, of establishing church planting institutions like you've done so well in Tanzania. We are so grateful. And I am grateful to be here. It is truly a joy. I want to speak to you this morning out of uh, Psalm 126 for a little while. And I want to talk about sowing with tears from a context that may be a little different than yours. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. For those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with joy. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing sheaves with him. This is a psalm of, of ascension. It's about people coming back from captivity in a foreign land, probably during the prophet Ezra's time, as the Jewish people were, were returning back to their homeland. But when they got to their homeland, they called Zion. They found it in ruins, towns, cities, vineyards. It was a shadow of what they knew before. They rejoiced, yes, because there was freedom. But as they sowed the seed in effort to rebuild what was, they wept because they remembered and they wept because they looked forward to what God was going to do. So what does this have to do with uh, missions? The ebb and flow of of life creates cycles of good and bad, and, and at times we find ourselves tempted to slow down in sowing that gospel seed or in planting into missions or in giving so that others may go. The continent of Africa is an amazing place. I believe that if Jesus tarries, if Jesus doesn't come back to get us soon, I believe that out of Africa will come some of Christian history's most significant church planting and missionary movements. I believe that. I believe it because I see it happening. Powerful churches emerging in Africa. The biggest churches in Europe already are pastored by African people. Did you know that? God has done a great thing 
in Africa. But the task is not yet done. The hardest places are yet to be reached. Places where Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda, where Islam is strong and where it's militant, where we try to get in, where, where our own pastors, our brothers and sisters there have suffered greatly because of persecution from strong Islamic elements. And yet they are some of the most resilient people that I have ever met. They literally sow with tears. Literally. When they go to some of those places, they know it's because they have to plant that seed, but in doing so, they risk their lives. And so they sow in tears. Let me give you an example that... Uh, that will illustrate this, a little parable. So many Africans in, in what we call the Sahel, that would be from Mauritania, that would be Senegal, Chad, the northern part of Burkina Faso, places like that, all the way over to, to Sudan, down to the northern part of Kenya. All of that is what we call the hunger belt, just south of, just south of the Sahara Desert. And many of those people live one rainy season away from extreme hunger. It's true, they're, they're agrarian, they're farmers, and, and they rely on the rain to come. And if the rain misses, they are in danger. After the rains come, and after the harvest has been gathered in, they... They eat wonderfully, maybe two, three meals a day. But as the days turn to weeks, the weeks turn to months, people start to get hungry. And if the rains are late, bodies grow weak, and disease creeps into their lives. Africans, little African children, their stomachs will distend with malnutrition, Babies cry at night as their mother's milk dries up. Life becomes a desperate attempt to find sustenance just to keep going. Now imagine with me a, a little African boy wandering around the village. Let me get those uh, up there if we can. Okay, let's go back. There we go, right there. That's a good one. A little African boy wandering around the village. And he comes to this place right here. This is a, a grain bin, a storage place for, for the food that uh, that community would harvest. And he knows that they've been hungry for many days. He knows that they haven't had proper food. And he climbs up in there and he looks down inside that grain bin. And he sees there's some, there's some seed there. There's, there's something to eat. And, and, and he, he jumps down and he runs back to his home. And he, he tells his father, he says, Father, I found some food. It's there. It's in the grain bin. 
And his father takes him, pulls him close, and he says, son, let me explain to you about the harvest. He says, yes, there is, there is grain there, yes, there is food there, but we, we cannot touch that food because that is the only thing that keeps us from starving next year. That seed, even though it is our life sustenance, will keep us into the future. And so he says no. And the little boy turns away, understanding that even in his hunger, if he eats that seed, he will die. When the wind changes, when the clouds begin to come into the sky, the folks head back out into their, into their farms and they begin to dig down into that hard dirt. And they plant seeds that is their very life sustenance. They put it into the ground. And they do so because they believe that one day it's going to rain. They believe, they risk their very lives because they understand that one day the God of that harvest in the ground is going to rain on that seed and it will come up. Nothing can stop it. And when the rains come, and the cycle of life starts again, once again they rejoice in the guard of the heart, in the God of the harvest. That, that African's farming struggles mirrors our spiritual life as well. There is, there is an apostolic function, an apostolic ambition to to sow, a longing to sow. The, the one carrying seed, he goes out weeping, tempted to do nothing because of the drought, tempted to hoard that seed because of hunger, tempted to go slow to conserve energy. But there is an ambition in a Pentecostal people that no matter what their circumstance, it drives them to go out. And I believe that is who you are. The evidence of that, just last year you gave over $80,000 to Africa to plant churches, to train people. You have an ambition to go no matter what. I want to tell you a story about this little boy, a little boy by the name of Hendrick. His uh, father and mother were, were missionaries. They went up to northern part of Kenya, and they started working among the Somali people. The Somali people are, are very anti-Christian, very against the gospel, and very dangerous people if you start to witness to them and talk about Jesus Christ. And yet these people felt the Lord had called them to that place. While they were there, they had this little boy. 
And it wasn't long till uh, he grew up enough to where they needed someone to take care of him. And so they hired a young Somali girl to take care of this little boy. And shortly after that, he began to, to get really sick. They took little Hendrick down to Nairobi to see if they could find out what was wrong with him. They could not. They brought him back home and he just continued to get sicker and sicker until one day he, he passed away. And I will never forget, I drove down or drove up to that village to be with these people as they were going to bury their child. Just before they buried this little boy, someone from the village came in and told them, you know the reason your son died was because people forced the girl that was taking care of him to poison him. And so this little boy was poisoned to death by the people that this missionary family had gone to serve and to love. And you would think that after a tragedy like that, they would, they would leave and never come back. you think they would just shake the dust off, walk away. You would think that hatred would rise up in their hearts. That's the natural thing, right? That they would want to have nothing more to do with the Somali people and with with Islam in that part of Africa. But I'll never forget, this missionary man went out to where the graves were, where his grave had been dug for his little boy, and he stood there, and we stood on either side of him, and the, the whole village was there. Even those that had poisoned that little boy were there, watching and I'll never forget what that man said. He said, today I lay my son in this ground. And even though you think we may run away, we will not run away. We will stay here because we love you. And every time you see this grave, you will see a place where a son died because a father loved you so much. And in that time and place right there, he explained the gospel of Jesus Christ in a beautiful way. There is an apostolic ambition that pushes people of the Spirit out to witness and to sow the seed no matter what. The enemy... Cannot stop it. And with tears, with tears streaming down his face, he sowed the seed that day into those people's lives. Why? Because they're born in the image of God. Because they need to hear the gospel. Because they can turn to Jesus. So he sowed with tears, with an apostolic ambition to go. There's also apostolic resources. That would be the sower and the seed. He goes out carrying seed to sow. Now the gospel, my friends, is good seed. You know that, right? 
You know that the gospel changes lives. Never doubt its power to redeem people. Never doubt that it is for all people, no matter how hard, no matter how lost, every single person on the face of the earth is worthy to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has transformed countless millions. Pastor, I wonder how many people have come to Jesus through the gospel because of seven million and a half dollars. I wonder. When we get to heaven, we will know. But I tell you this, the gospel is good seed. It is powerful. It transforms lives. It turns societies who once cowered in fear of ancestral spirits and demonic forces into people who live victorious, fruitful lives. It transforms people groups who once mutilated and sold women as property into people who will ordain a woman into the full ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has transformed people who want nothing out of life but to gain money into people who will give sacrificially to see one more sinner come to Jesus. That's the gospel. It's powerful. The other part of the of the resources that are apostolic and that God uses are people. He chose to empower people to carry the seed of the gospel and, and God chose us as, imp as imperfect as we are. God chose you. You're sitting in a Pentecostal church this morning. You're sitting in a place where People love the lost. You have been given an opportunity. You have been chosen. It's not about whether you're worthy or not. It's not about whether you understand everything about the Bible or not. You have been saved. You have been set apart as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, and you, you, can give this gospel. You can plant the seed. I want to tell you about a, a friend of mine, Pastor Mfundo. Pastor Mfundo grew up in a, in a Muslim village. Let's go to that next slide there. Yeah, that's Pastor Mfundo there. Pastor Mfundo grew up in a, in a Muslim village. And when he was really, really young, just, just a few years old, he got a skin disease. And this skin disease would, would eat away the outer part of his skin and, and it, would, it, would, it would get pussy and it would weep and, and people ostracized him and they kept him away. When he got old enough to go to school, they wouldn't let him in to school. Even the, even the madras, the, the, the Islamic school, they wouldn't let him in because he was unclean. So he wandered around lonely ostracized from his society. Mfundo, when he was about 15 years old, he was walking by a place where they had put a church. That's all he knew was it was a church and you didn't go near the church because the church was a bad thing. That's all he knew. But he heard the most beautiful music coming out of that church one day. People singing and they sounded so joyful. 
They sounded like they were, they were so happy. And Fundo went closer and closer, even though he knew. As a Muslim, he shouldn't do that. But he went closer and closer. And then he heard the pastor talking about the love of Jesus. And that no matter what, Jesus could save you, he could heal you, he could touch you. And Mfundo, even though he, he knew his family was completely against it, he walked into the back of that church and stood there. And when the pastor said, if anyone here wants to come and receive the love of Jesus Christ into their lives, I want you to come down here to the front. Mfundo found himself walking down to the front. He stood there as the people of God of that little Tanzania Assemblies of God church gathered around him and they touched him. They laid their hands on him. They prayed for him. And for the first time in his life, Mfundo found true family. Well, his family found out. And you know what happened. They ostracized him completely. They kicked him out of their family. They wouldn't let him back in the house. They wouldn't feed him. And so the pastor of that church took Mfundo in. And he slept in their house. He ate with them. And he stayed at the church. He, he became a fixture at that church. He was there all the time. He cleaned it. He kept it wonderful. He really grew up in that church. When he was about 22 or 3 years old, Mfundo came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I want to go plant a church. And his, his pastor said, you know, Mfundo, I don't know that that's a good idea. He said, I, I, I know you're a wonderful Christian. I know you've been filled with the Spirit. I know you've been growing in the Lord. I understand that. He said, but, but, but Mfundo, I don't think people will come to your church when you go to plant a church. You still have this, this problem with your skin. Our people here, they love you, they understand you, but if you go out to try to plant a church, I'm not sure they'll understand. Mfundo was very discouraged. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we have the Spirit of God in us and God gives us ideas that seem strange to others when it has to do with the gospel, people can discourage us, right? Mfundo looked at the pastor and he said, Pastor, I know you believe in healing. We've seen people healed. But I want to preach the gospel. I want you to pray for me. Call for the elders of the church and ask them to lay their hands on me and pray for me. And so the pastor did. He called the elders. They came. They laid their hands on him, Fundo. They prayed for him. And the Lord healed him. The Lord completely took away that skin disease completely gave him beautiful, beautiful skin like you can see there. Mfundo tells me that the only two places left that are scarred on his whole body are his two little fingers. And I don't know if you can see it there in that picture, but he can't straighten his little fingers out. And he tells me, this is to remind me that I'm not worthy to preach the gospel, but Jesus Christ called me, and so I will do it. 
He wanted to plant the church. Now they said, you got to go to Bible school. He went to Bible school there in Arusha, where you've been pastor at Ngaram Tony. And the principal of the Bible school, a brother by the name of Simeon Vomo, then he looked at him and he said, uh, show me your, your, your leaving certificates, your, your certificates that show that you've been to school. And Fundo said, I've never been to school. I can't read, I can't write. And the principal said, well, well you know, this is, you can't come to this school unless, unless you, you have some education. We, we read books here, we, we study. You, this is, you, you can't just come in. And Mfundo begged him. And he said, my church is willing to pay. Just let me in. And the principal said, okay, for the first semester I will let you in. You can come. But if your marks are not good enough, then you have to go. They gave Mfundo some books that he couldn't read. He got his Bible that he couldn't read. And he told me, he said, he said, Beggs, I, I used to put my head on my Bible like this and I used to pray in the Spirit, oh God, teach me to read. Help me to understand. And he would listen. He would sit in class and listen and he would try to learn to read, try to learn to write. The first set of exams came around and they gave them to him orally and he did very well. The second set of exams came around and he could write a little bit as well as orally. Now this is just a few weeks. At the end of that semester, he could read and he could write and he was one of the best students in that class. Friends, it's not about being qualified. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit using you because you are a gospel resource. Someone like Mfundo understood it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you can be a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ being planted around the world. Finally, I want to talk about apostolic confidence. Faith in the God of the harvest. The verse says, they will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them. God is faithful to his word. God has authority and the power to cause the harvest to happen. We have seen it many, many times. When I was just a little boy, we planted the first church in the city of Dar es Salaam. Strong Muslim area today, many years later, there are almost a thousand churches in that area. From one little struggling church to almost a thousand because God has the authority and the power to bless that seed and the sower and we can have a confidence. When you give into missions, you can know that this God of the harvest will accomplish what he says. We can have confidence that sowing will produce a crop. And when the rains come, the rain of the Holy Spirit comes. Nothing can stop 
Nothing can stop those churches from being planted, those people from coming into the kingdom. That's why we continue to go to places like Mauritania, Somalia, Sudan, some of the hardest places in the world to plant the gospel. We do it because we know God has authority. I want to illustrate this for you. My daughter, who's now grown and and has given me three wonderful grandchildren, when she was just a little girl, we used to do these outdoor meetings and we would, we would have altar calls and people would come forward. And, and in many areas, we would have, a, we would have an, an area off to the side that we would cordon off and we would, put, we would put like a tent around it so that you couldn't see into it and there would just be a little way to get in. And we did that because every single time we had one of those outdoor meetings and we brought people forward, demoniacs would begin to to demonstrate. And they would scream and yell and cause problems and fall on the ground and writhe. And we had people who were trained to pick them up, carry them over to that tent, and to lay hands on them, to pray for them, so that they could be delivered. And this happened all the time. It was kind of a normal part of, of doing these outdoor meetings. And I was up on the platform, and it was up high, and I could see down into that area over there where they were praying for people, and demoniacs were there. They were writhing on the ground, and, and I saw my daughter wander into that place. She was, she was only about six years old at the time. And I saw her walk over to a lady, and, and, and she bent down next to this lady, And she put her little hand on this lady's chest. And I I saw her and and, and I could could barely hear what she was saying. But Nicole, my my little six-year-old daughter, with a a, a woman full of the devil, full of the powers of darkness, she laid her hand on that woman and she said, I heard her say, Baba katika jina la Yesu na kemea shetani. Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this devil. And, and I, I kind of laughed. I thought, well, man, she, you know, she's heard everybody do this. She's just mimicking what she's heard. But I saw that woman calm down. And, and the Holy Spirit rebuked me. And he reminded me that when the strong man is bound, then you can go into his house. That's because God has authority. That's because we, we know that his power is enough and we can have confidence in the God of the harvest and even a little child can walk into a place where the forces of darkness are and claim what is rightfully God's. We have confidence. We have a need to sow. There's, a, there's an apostolic ambition God's given us good tools. He's given us people like you. You're a part of this wonderful process. He's given us the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he has the power to do whatever he wants to do, no matter where it is. So once again, let me me say thank you.
for engaging in this wonderful gospel. Until you get to heaven, you may never understand truly what you have done, but I can promise you this, because I have confidence, as you do, in the God of the harvest, there will be people in heaven worshiping and praising God because of you. And I thank you for that. God bless you. Pastor. Asante sana ndugu. That's my little attempt at Swahili. Appreciate that. And I, you know, I want us to hold on to that last truth that he shared. Just a six-year-old girl. It's the authority that we have behind us. It's not, our, it's not by flesh and blood. It's not, it's not in human effort. Amen? We're a resource, and we are physical, and we are temporal beings, but we're also eternal beings. And I like that idea of authority. We need to hold on to that. Amen? In all of life. Hallelujah. Well, thank you again, Greg Beggs, for being with us today and, and taking time out. They have, um, they're, they're, when he goes home tomorrow, uh, immediately they're, they're in a whole bunch of uh, missionary meetings, and uh, he'll hit the, hit the ground running. I, I'm just so glad you took time out to be with us today, this weekend. Listen, on your seats, there are faith promise cards. Now, listen, we've been doing that ever since I've been here and probably before. The Assemblies of God has had these for decades. We keep doing it year after year. Sadly, some churches don't do it. But just in case this is new to you, I want you to know what this card represents. It is, it is not a pledge. We're not asking what you know you can do or will commit to missions. But as it says, it's a faith promise giving card. And what we're going to do is pray in a moment and really just pray, God, what will you do through me? And over the years, I've heard testimonies. I've had people email me testimonies. I've heard them snail mail me testimonies about how they really didn't know how these funds were going to come through. And this is looking ahead for the next 12 months until we have another missions convention. Simply asking God, Lord, what, what will you do through me? By faith. Again, not knowing what you can. This isn't about a human endeavor. This is what you believe God is putting in your heart. Maybe, you know, and, and on this form, you'll notice you can list it monthly or weekly or, or by year. So it kind of looks like a pledge, but it's really, Lord, what will you do through me? And I found that he always does more through me than I thought. More than I could ask or imagine, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And so... I want us to pray in a moment, and then you'll take this card, and you know, we don't need your address. You don't have to put all that in there, just your name, and then what you believe God will provide extra for you to give to missions, and just go ahead and write that in there, and uh, that's on the, there's, there's two pieces of that is somewhat perforated, uh, two-thirds, one-third, and then a little piece you'll keep in your Bible or keep at home. And we'll collect the other portion, but don't go ahead and tear that yet. We'll just pray right now, and, uh, and then you go ahead and complete that. There are pens in the seat backs in front of you. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what we've heard today. And Lord, I thank you for the authority that we have in Jesus' name. And we know that that authority is powerful, that it can turn back armies, and that we will see this in Ukraine. Lord, we'll see it in our day. And Lord, I pray that you would get all the glory. I pray that no, that no man would try to explain what 
what we're going to see. Even as Habakkuk wrote, I will do things in your day that you would never, you would never believe you had not seen it yourself. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you are going to do great things in this time of harvest, that we're heading into a time of harvest. We have, we have certainly sowed with tears. And I thank you, God, for the harvest that is yet to take place. Lord, we can't even imagine. And Lord, now I ask for, for your wisdom for each one of us, Lord, as we, as we write down a number, as we, as we consider what you would do through us, Lord, whether it be maybe through some unexpected overtime or maybe some miracle money in the mail or in our accounts. Or, Lord, we, we know that by faith you will provide. And I thank you, Lord, for what we have been doing over the years. You've used us. You've chosen us. To, to be part of world missions. And Lord, now I pray for your wisdom, for your guidance, Lord, as we complete these faith promise cards. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So if you would, go ahead and just put your name on there. And then, uh, you know, these will be tallied up. If you decide to do monthly, that would be easier for, for accounting. But weekly, whatever you believe God would provide through you, for the sake of world missions. Go ahead and put that in there. And then I'm just going to wait a moment. It shouldn't take long to write that down. Just your name and what you believe God will do through you. And then what I want to do, and I don't, I don't know that we've ever done it. I, I've seen this done before, but I want us, if you're ready, if you're about ready, to take the perforated portion. Go ahead and, and bend it so it'll tear neatly. Okay, bend it both ways. Okay. And then on the count of three, we'll tear it together. I want to hear this. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Tear it. Okay, that sounded pretty cool. I should, have, I should have had another headset on, and then I could have put the mic up to it. So. And then would our ushers come? We want our ushers to come and to collect those. And again, I've got a lot of excitement about tonight. Looking forward to some really good feasting. I've heard some of you are making some very special things. And I know we have a special dessert we're going to be bringing tonight, as well as a special salad. And um, So now, I don't want you to miss it. 5.30 tonight. That hasn't been strongly stressed enough. But 5.30, if there's enough food here for me to begin. Okay, I'm not waiting on you. 5.30. And uh, in a moment, rushers, if you come, just go ahead and start collecting these as I'm um, giving some announcements. I'm going to ask Pastor Hans to come in a moment to give some directions about how we want to set things up. And, uh, and then again, we'll, you know, Pastor Hans, I'm going to have you, after you give your directions, go ahead and just give our benediction and, and we'll get going. So come on up. All right. Hey, so some instructions. And again, you keep this, and you'll put that in there. But um, uh, we, uh, we have uh, a method to the madness. Some of you have done this for years, but just to kind of get everybody on the same page. These middle two sections, those are going to be the ones that we're going to sit on. So you can stack them and just get them out of the way so we can put tables, but these are the ones. Everything in this section and that section is going to be stacks six high against these walls. This section over here, these two sections, stack six high against those walls. Uh, we've got all the, you see the tables there, how many we have, um, and basically these corners over here, the four corners will be where our different food from different parts of the world will be. 
And uh, um, so if you kind of need a reference point, you can check out up here. We do need somebody to go around and grab all these extra ones that haven't been filled out. Just just make a stack on the on the uh, soundboard uh, little shelf area. That would be a big help. And uh, let's pray. Everybody, everybody ready to go on that? Exciting stuff. Chairs and tables. Oh, my. And uh, But let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for the opportunity to hear what you've done and what you're going to do um, around this world of ours. And I just pray that you would cause our hearts to be turned towards you in a greater way. Uh, God, I pray that our, our lives would be uh, more devoted and uh, set on your mission around this world and, and, and uh, in our world that we have here. Lord, I pray blessing, and Lord, as we return tonight, God, I pray you would do incredible things in us. Uh, in Jesus' strong name, amen. Amen.